Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius on a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. I am John Ledyard, along with Matt Matera of PewterReport.com. We are excited for this day. We are excited despite the fact that Stefan Gilmore is not a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Matt. It feels weird. I know people are going to have to get used to it, but a high-profile, available, talented, good player is not a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. It is possible. The audacity. <laughs> the audacity that the Bucs couldn't get another big-name guy. It was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions this morning, John, because we obviously everyone saw the news that he was what we thought was he was going to be released, and therefore the buzzers start going off, and the, yep. the Batman signal gets uh, put into the air saying, oh, the Bucs should get this guy. We asked Bruce Arians today about it at uh, – well, before practice started, and then right after we were done with all the press conferences, about 20 minutes later, it's like, oh, he's going to trade to Carolina. So uh, the the scale of emotions was all over the place to to start this beautiful Wednesday, as you uh, as yeah. you were just saying. It's true. Uh, and Bucks fans, and I understand it completely, they kind of get their hopes up anytime a good player becomes available, that especially in a position of relative need for the team. Yeah. Because – why not? That's what the Bucks front office has shown. That the, and they were in on this one. I mean, I don't know if they were in on it to this to the degree that they were, you know, ready to pull the trigger on a trade. I think it was just like, oh yeah, we'll inquire for sure. We'll look. You know, we'll Why see not? if this is possible. We'll see if he wants to come over here for cheap. But it was that was it, right? Like that was going to be the extent of things. And we'll get into it. We'll get into the Bucks inquiry into Stefan Gilmore and how that kind of proceeded. What Gilmore's thought process is. Why it eliminated a lot of teams. Um, including the Bucks, basically, um, and and we'll kind of go from there and talk about is this a good trade for the Panthers? Does it affect the NFC South at all? Uh, that might be a much a bit much, but um, and what's the outlook for the Bucks at corner? Because we got injury updates on Carlton Davis and uh, Jamel Dean to a degree, Sean Murphy Bunting too as well today. So we'll talk about all that on the show today. Excited and excited for it to all be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. I've got the peach vibe. Came yesterday. I'm very very excited about. Oh, you yeah. got the great brush. Peach Very five, cool. one of my favorites. Back in stock again in the Ledyard household. Feels feels good. Uh, the great brush, great stuff. That's one. That's my wife's favorite. I think. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But if you don't Very know about flavor. Celsius energy drinks, they're absolutely phenomenal. There's no sugar in these things, yet there's unbelievable nope. taste. It's incredible. Uh, the flavors, the different flavors that they're able to produce, they give you the energy that you need, but without the crash that you get from other energy drinks. And they're not bad for you. It feels like a cheat code. Kind of is a cheat code because uh, they taste as good as they do. The Peach Vibe, strongly recommend. Very happy to have that one rocking this one on the pod uh, today. If you don't know about their even better product that's coming out lately, uh, the Fast Protein Bars, the best tasting protein bars you'll ever have. I'm telling you. I mean, the white chocolate cookies and cream is the one I've got here, but uh, the the Salted Caramel Peanut Crunch, of which we also have a new box that just arrived to the house. Very, very happy about it. I think my wife is eating one a day right now. Um, they are unbelievable because you get the protein that you're always looking for, but without the sugar and some of the bad stuff that you're getting and other proteins. So 20 grams of, of protein, one gram of sugar. These protein bars, best tasting protein bars out there. I'm telling you, if you have a sweet tooth, but you want to get a little bit healthier, this is absolutely the way to go if you're looking for protein. This is the way to go. Uh, the way that they they prioritize taste, but then don't sacrifice anything in terms of how good these are for you nutritionally 
It's a game changer. So make sure you check out Celsius and the fast protein bars as well. Really, really good stuff. All right, Matt. Um, let's see. Oh, the link, by the way, for those protein bars is down below in the YouTube description. So click that link, get yourself uh, signed up to get some, uh, some awesome, tasty protein bars. Matt, this was a day where Bucks fans envisioned all the positives, right? Coming out of it. Carlton Davis is only out two to four weeks, which there was some Reddit rumors floating around. He was only out two to four weeks. Everyone's an expert. "Mm, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and, uh, you know, Jamal, Sean Murphy Bunting is going to be back by midseason, you know, and, and, and he'll be a part of, of things again. And Stefan Gilmore's come here. We got Richard Sherman. And, you know, that was kind of the in the minds of Bucks fans, I think, going into today. And that's uh, not quite how the day went. And you can tell from the comment section, some people are frustrated. And, um, you know, we'll get to a lot of these questions. we got great questions. we got some super chats already we're going to get to. But just before we dive into those, and we'll dive into those in a second, so hang tight and let, let us know any questions that you have related to the Stephon Gilmore Bucks cornerback situation. What were your thoughts, Matt, as you kind of heard this news? Okay, Gilmore's available. We know the Bucks kind of have a need, and we'll talk about that more too. But what was your – how did you process this from Tampa Bay's perspective? Sure. In the thought process of – could the Bucks use a guy like Stefan Gilmore? Yeah, of course. I think that's obvious. Everyone would sign up for that. He was he's an he was an All Pro defensive player. He was Defensive Player of the Year two seasons ago. Obviously, this guy would be a great fit on this team, with the assumption that Carlton Davis is going to be out for a long time, which we all think so. Then I immediately started thinking about salary cap situation. What type of money Stefan Gilmore would want? Again, this is before. The, the thought that um, the Patriots would actually be trading him yeah. instead of just cutting him because if they just cut him and you know, so, some of this discussion went on in the Peter report group chat as well, too, is that he's 31 years old now, Gilmore. Uh, he's obviously had a very successful career, a lot of accolades time to get that payday. And he already got a big contract with the Patriots, but time to keep cashing in because you can only play in the NFL for so long and at a high level. So when the money's there, Take the money and run, as mm. as the song goes. So that's where obviously it would hurt the Bucks. I, I know they they cleared some cap room when they readjusted Ali Marpet's contract, and that helped along the way with um, getting Richard Sherman here. But obviously, still wouldn't have been enough for Stefan Gilmore. And then I don't want to say on the flip side because they already flipped the other side. But uh, in another corner here, um, there I don't think there's any better team in. Uh, navigating through the, the the salary cap or putting money down the road, as we've seen with trying to get contracts for Levante David and guys like that. There's no better team to do that than the Bucks. So yeah. then I started thinking, well, what's the situation where they could get him here, put more money down the road? But even in, in that situation – You have to go back to, and I know we're all focused on this season, but you have to go back to, well, they're going to have to sign Carlton Davis, who is younger at this point. So you'd rather put your money on Carlton Davis, who has already been on the team for many years, the Chris Godwin situation, Vita Vea coming up. So eventually you're going to have to cut some cost or hypothetical cost in the Stefan Gilmore situation. So a lot of it was the money for me more than will this guy fit? Because, yeah, he would fit. He's an all-pro player. He could fit on any team. See, I actually kind of saw it from the other way, and I will get these questions. I get, I hear the money part. I'm not saying that wasn't a factor. Obviously, it was. It, but it, to me, it was like, okay, if Gilmore is going to pursue money over a chance to win a ring, then like, there's no conversation here anyway, and there's no conversation for a lot of the best teams in the league. Sure. You know that 
that kind of, I guess in my mind, at least it kind of went without saying that if Gilmore was oriented that way toward chasing, you know, big payday, even for this season, even, or even to finish out this contract, you know, that he has obviously this happened via trade. So he's going to get paid close to that, you know, 5.4, whatever it is left on that contract um, this season. If he's after that, and that's kind of his priority, but that, that I don't understand why it broke up in new England, to be honest. And I'll get to my point here in a second, but uh, big MGM says as a Patriots fan, I can guarantee this was done out of spite. There's no way a defensive player of the year is worth less than Carson Epp and Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny comparison. It's a Bucks podcast. I know, but I'm living right now. He says, and we appreciate the, the transparency, big MGM, but yeah, that's what I don't get. Like if Stefan Gilmore was willing to pay to play on his current money and apparently is able to play after week six, otherwise why make this trade, which he was on the pup list. Why not just do it? I know the Patriots were top tied up against the cap, but come on. I mean, there's better ways to do it than this. And, and you could, could have gotten get... a third round comp pick for exactly. Uh, that's what I was thinking too. Is how could they not get more value out of this? I mean, the Bucks paid more to get Gronk after he was retired for a year. Yeah. Than, than Stefan Gilmore, who in the public eye at the time, even though he's coming off an injury, would still be in more game shape and everything like oh, that yeah. than Gronk was going into last season. So just a sixth round pick, I think, is uh very questionable. Sure. I get. I know the sixth rounder happened because they're leveraged at that point. Everybody knows you're releasing them, so you're not going to get much. Okay, like I get it, but look, I mean, why wouldn't you just keep him and pay out the rest of his contract? It's not like he's you know, twenty mil you can get out of, you know, like that. What are you going to yeah. do with that money right now? Like, I know you're up against it a little bit cap wise, and it's tight, but come on, I mean, this is just silly. Like, you could hang on to him be a better team this year. You're not out of it. And you're in the AFC, you're, you know, one and three. Yeah. But yeah. And you could, and you know, you could, you could pay them or you could let them go in free agency, get the third round comp pick. I just, I don't, I don't get it at all from the Patriots perspective, to be honest, especially when the comments come back and like, yeah, he's awesome, dude. Great in the locker. Everybody loves him. And now all the team, Calvin Noy, like barely even answered questions about him today. He was still mad. And, I, I don't understand it. Bill Belichick's way of doing things is not leading that organization in the right direction. I, I feel confident in that and saying that right now. But um, I, I do, yeah, I don't I don't get it from that perspective. But from the Bucks perspective, I looked at it from the more of the roster group. I was like, okay, how does he fit unless Carlton Davis is out for the season? Well, I was thinking too, like who moves into the slot? Let's just say SMB isn't healthy, then you would have well, I guess if Carlton's out, then it changed. Well, it, even if it's Richard Sherman, hypothetical Stefan yeah. Gilmore, which it won't be anyway, right? And then Jamel Dean, like, are you going to play Dean in in the slot? That obviously doesn't really work out too well. Um, you, do you go back deep, to the Ross Cockrell yeah. situation. You're you're pretty much you you have like a starting caliber corner as a corner that's not really going to see the field because you have to decide between those three on the outside. Yeah, it would be people. like Dean and. Sherman until Gilmore was good to go because remember right because if he was he, traded for he wouldn't have been weeks. ready till after week six and then when Gilmore was ready to go and 100 healthy remember it's not like Sherman you know Gilmore was coming off this injury and so it's like all right is he is he going to be ready right after week six you know I know they said his injury is not no setbacks that's good but you know so there were like questions there just in terms of when would he actually be ready is it like week seven or is it week eight or is it week nine you know, where he's like 100% ready to play like major snaps. And if that's the case, then when is Sean Murphy Bunting coming back? Because he could be your other outside starter along with Richard Sherman. And then when you go to nickel, Murphy Bunting goes down to the slot and Jamel Dean comes in and plays that right corner spot where he's played. And and you get uh, Richard Sherman mostly on the left side where he's played. And so Mm -hmm. 
I that was kind of my thought. I was like, okay, now it's kind of crowded, and Jamel Dean has basically no path if Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting are coming back at some point. He's going to have basically no path to playing time. I mean, he could be behind everybody at that point. He'd be a special <laughs> teamer if he was even active. I mean, think about it. You'd have Sherman, Gilmore, Davis, Murphy, Bunting, and you want Cockrell because of special teams. He's your up back. He's your nickel. He's your backup safety. So who is – Dean is going to be inactive. Like, are they ready to and do that's that? A, that's just crazy to think, too. I mean, he played well last time he was on the field. Like, it, you know, it's – I know he's been a roller coaster ride. I don't think he's a second contract guy in Tampa Bay, but – are you done? Like, are you ready to say, yeah, we're just kind of moving forward? No, how's Dean so. going to feel about that? He doesn't strike me as an, you know, all situations I'm chipper kind of guy. I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah, I think there was complications there too. It's like, plus Pierre Desir, I mean, this is not a throw. This is not a D Delaney where he's played like four offensive snaps and you just have no Or Rashad Robinson, you know, right. not it's, that situation either. Right. Like Desir started in the NFL for a long time. He's a veteran. He's experienced. He's could he be this year's, could he be this year's Ross Cockrell? Yeah. Is like he definitely could be though. That That's, that's not crazy though, Matt, like to say that because he's been a good solid player other places. So, and I don't think he's a world beater and I'm not saying he's like clearly better than Dean and Murphy Bunting or anything like that, but those aren't crazy outcomes either where like Delaney, that would be shocking. You know what I mean? If that mm-hmm. happened, like that would be like, wow, what a, you know, you just wouldn't have no reason to think it. So I say all that to, to say that I don't think that it was really a need. I know that sounds crazy, but you consider the context of everything else with the team. And it's like, Oh, I don't, okay. I don't know, you know, whether this was a huge need or not, especially because Gilmore would have had to learn the scheme, get healthy finish his rehab up get off pup list it was just a lot of and then by that point who's back you know who, what's the situation in the room like it just would have had to be in a lot of concessions by gilmore in my opinion um to kind of happen here some people saying bill revenge against brady i don't know if that means <laughs> because he didn't send him to the bucks or because you know i just i get the, sent him in the division too that's the other part of it like it's not that the bucks just didn't get gilmore he's in the division the bucks are going to play him twice a year now right and some people are saying, oh, the Bucs should have pulled the trigger on a six-round pick. Well, it's not just a six-round pick. That part wouldn't have been an issue for the Bucs. It's paying him the money. The Bucs don't yeah. have that kind of cap space right now. So for the Bucs to create the cap space, they would have had to create a restructure someone else, create void years, push it down the road. There's not a lot of time to do that, first of all. Second of all, they've done that with a lot of players. Do they really want to keep doing it? Um, it's something that you know they, they've got to kind of weigh that a little bit with, with this money at this point. Um, so to trade for him would have been hard for Tampa Bay to do. It would have taken some moves, whether they were willing to do that or not. We probably don't know. Maybe we'll never know, but it, it seems like it was like, okay, at what point are we going to stop doing this? Because we've done it with a lot of guys. We want to do it on an injury in an injured 31 year old corner who, who is going to be a fine scheme fit, but isn't like, didn't, hasn't played his best football in his career in a zone heavy scheme. Mm. Who's coming off a major injury. Who's 31 and clearly declined last year, still a good player, but was not like the defensive player of the year last year. So you have to weigh all that. If you're Tampa Bay, when you think about making moves like that, this wasn't about the sixth round pick. It was about the financial implications of taking on Gilmore, even for this year. Cause it would have had a ripple effect through the rest of the roster. And the bucks wouldn't say this out loud. Like Bruce Arians wouldn't say this in a press conference too. You also have to factor in, and Arian said today that he doesn't see Sean Murphy Bunting and uh, Carlton Davis coming back anytime soon. And I'll put that in quotations, anytime soon. But if you feel confident enough with Sherman, Dean, if he's healthy, and Pierre Desir and Ross Cockrell as your top corners, 
the part where the, the coaching staff wouldn't say this out loud is the schedule permits the Bucks in a good situation where they can weather the storm somewhat, mm-hmm. where you're playing Miami and Philadelphia and the Bears and, yeah. and the Saints up until the bye week. Like, that's a very manageable schedule where in those four games, they probably should end up like a th- to be fair three and one obviously four and at worst the highest yeah three <laughs> yeah. and one at worst where it's like okay uh we clearly aren't fully healthy but we still have a good record would you would believe to be at the top of the division unless the the panthers keep uh you know starting off on a on a right. strong pace but again they won't be playing the jets texans and everyone else that they uh right. beat up on this year so yeah. i think that's a that's an important a uh, little little area of discussion as well too that this the schedule would be perfect for hey let's just go who with who we have right now and then let's yeah. come up with it later i'm Get just not trying to freak out about like the first you know even three of the first four weeks of the season like i'm not like the other day was fine like sunday was fine they gave up all underneath throws they didn't give up anything down they the left field. 17 points 17 yeah. points should win and the box Right. A game every single week. Right. And the biggest passing plays they allowed were on two trick plays. Those were really the big <laughs> plays. You know, like yeah. it's like you have to look at the process, right? Like I just didn't feel like it was that kind of game. And that quarterback and those receivers are pretty comparable to what they'll face for the next several weeks of the season. That's just reality. Like the next guy time they face a, a, a really good quarterback, even a guy in the conversation for probably top 15 quarterback in the league maybe even 20 i mean it's it's josh allen in week 14 and we have no idea what things are going to look like by then so i think that has to be considered here some too is that like you've got a guy like sherman in what are you going to do if you bring in a gilmore and somebody else comes back you can't sit sherman like this guy's a legend right you know what i mean so the timing affects things too but more than anything bucks 12 says here from the title description it sounds like john and matt have already made up their mind against trading a late pick for the only quarterback in the league to be named in the same breath as jalen ramsey shake my head and i know bucks times may be a little bit kidding here but we've already addressed the fact that it wasn't the late pick that it's it's the cap space like that is carolina has the second most cap space in the league like I, it's hard to argue with that. Like you, like they don't. Bucks don't have control over who the Patriots trade to. Like Patriots saw that you know in Gilmore's camp, they were like, okay, they have the cap space. Plus, that's home for Gilmore. He grew up right yeah. near there, so that was a factor in this too. That's where he wanted to be. That's a young upcoming team that could potentially pay him if he plays this offseason. A lot of money, a lot of money. They could pay him this offseason to be in tandem with Jay Z Horn, another South Carolina guy. So you know, there's a lot of layers to this, right? Like where. Gilmore wanted to be there too. It wasn't just the Bucks, you know, failed to pony up. Like that's just not the story here, is what we're saying. Would I have hated it if Gilmore were a Buck? Absolutely not. No, especially because if he were a Buck, it would mean he was willing to pay for like play for like a million and a right, half, right? The veteran million. minimum, or something. right? That would it would have been like a Sherman situation. It just wasn't. It wasn't likely to happen given what we knew about how Gilmore was prioritizing money in this situation, you know, and so. The Bucks kind of had a hand tied behind their back at this point that they just they couldn't. There wasn't as much as they could have done as what other people think, I believe. Um, William Butler says, John, a sixth rounder. Come on, man. Randy Moss voice. I think we've already we appreciate right. the five dollar super chat greatly, William. Thank you. I think we've already uh, kind of addressed the fact that it wasn't nobody in the Bucks organization would have balked at a sixth rounder uh, for Stephon Gilmore if that were the issue. That that, that wasn't the issue there. Um Let's get to this one. $5 super chat. Uh, 
Carlton Davis. Oh, Greg with a good point here. Carlton yes, Davis is exactly. better long-term value. Yes. That's a part of it too. I think Gilmore wanted to go someplace because think about this. Gilmore's basically kind of auditioning for a place that he or, could be long-term. So yes. he's kind of got it in. And if he's not, then he gets to go choose from his other places too. And he gets to hit the market still probably, but he's got that place. that's like, I want you that he's already at. That wasn't going to be new England. So he, and that wasn't going to be Tampa Bay either, by the way, like that was a pure rental. Tampa Bay wasn't going to be able to re-sign him. Right. You're talking about a one-year guy and Carlton for, for his sake, he already essentially has it in the bag. You know, the past two seasons, he's really stepped up his game has been great this season up until the injury. And unless there's a significant drop off, if he can hopefully come back from his injury next year, the Bucks would be crazy not to try to set up a long-term contract with them. Mm-hmm. So that kind of already had an answer for itself in right. in that discussion of, of long-term future starting number one cornerbacks for the yeah. Bucks on this team. Right. There, cap-wise, there was just no there was nothing for the Bucks long-term. And and Gilmore, the situation in Carolina was just way more conducive to saying, hey, I could get paid more now and I could get paid more long-term by this team if I impress them, plus this team's going places. You know, they got a nice young fun defense. You know, there's some relationships there. So, yeah, I think that mattered too a, a lot in this. All-Stop fan says with the $5 super chat, very much appreciate that. Thank you, All-Stop, All-Stop fan. He says, I think Carolina got Gilmore because they ate the salary that the Patriots were going to pay. That is yeah. why it only costs a six-round pick. Absolutely right. If, some, if the Bucks were going to – you know, if it was going to be a, I don't even know if there was a situation on the table where the, you know, where the, it would have been, uh, you know, like the Bucks would pay like a million and the Patriots would pay like almost all of it. That wouldn't have helped New England. So they weren't looking to do that. That's why New England, well, somebody reported that they met with some of the teams on Tuesday, right? And they said like teams that they were close with, probably Jason Light and the Bucks were one of those because of their past, his relationship with sure. the Patriots organization, safe to assume. And, you know, they were kind of like, hey, are any of you willing to trade for Gilmore? You're going to have to take on all his, all his, all his cap, all his cap hit. Um, and then Jason Light said, started. for that, I'm out. <laughs> and Jason Light is like, that's not <laughs> even possible for us. So um, I think that's probably where it started. And then I think it was just, you know, a matter of, okay, are we willing to go crazy and move stuff around like nuts for a guy who is, you know, coming off an injury, 31, declined last year, you know, isn't the seamless scheme fit that Sherman maybe was. So that's. Uh, part of it here as well. So something to consider there. Uh, Brian Shaw brings up, I think, a great point. Just be happy the Packers didn't get Gilmore. Yeah, That's why absolutely. I think the Bucks kind of won the trade anyway, right? The Packers and the Cowboys were both in on Gilmore. They didn't get him. And I think that that's huge because I think the Bucks, you know, they get healthy. Like they'll, they should be all right in that regard. But the Packers and the Cowboys defenses have way more question marks, in my opinion, than the Bucks defense does. And the fact that they didn't get a sol- potential, because we'll see what Gilmore comes back like, a potential solution guy in Gilmore, I don't see the Panthers as a cont- I mean, what they beat. No the offense. Jets, the Texans <laughs> the Jets. And, and the uh, – Yeah, Zach Wilson, Davis Woodson, and Davis Mills. That's not scaring me. Something and week like, one, Zach Wilson, not, not week four, no. Zach Wilson. True. Take the next step, Zach Wilson. Um, yes. Zach Wilson in yeah. his first NFL start. You just come on, like the Cowboys. I know, it, it's, these guys. Like, it, it's weird for me too, John, because I, you know, I thought the the Panthers' defense was pretty solid, and then obviously Horn got hurt. Um, so that mm-hmm. clearly it fills a need for them right there too. I am not entirely sold, and as much talented guys as they have, like their offense, as good as it really should be, I feel like there should be a little bit more with the with the Panthers' offense. They're not lining it up on that side of the ball, even though Sam Darnold has been solid and I understand Christian McCaffrey has been out, but as good as the Panthers, I feel like the Panthers defense is the reason why that 
Carolina has started out three and one and not really anything that Sam Darnold's been okay. He hasn't really turned the ball over, but it's the defense that's been really helping them win these games. Not anything that the, uh, that the offense is doing like DJ Moore has been awesome. I got on my fantasy team and McCaffrey mm-hmm. speaks for itself. But outside of that, I mean, Robbie Anderson's just a one shot guy down the field. They traded Dan yeah. Arnold. So I don't know the, the Carolina team. I want to, See, I mean, they went up against a good team against the Cowboys. At least, yeah, they went up against the Cowboys and kind of got smoked. So, uh, right, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. To me, Dallas's defense is still not great. They're better than they were last year. Obviously, just don't throw it to Diggs. If you don't throw it towards Diggs, yeah, apparently it's uncovered (laughs) anyway. Yeah, but uh, I think long lost guys is a good point here. We talked about Gilmore wanting to be close to home. That was a big part of this too. So I, I don't. I just don't think it was on the table for the Bucks. Like just being honest, that. Everything I've heard and everything we've said, I just don't think it was on. I think they poked around. They wanted to know. They wanted to be in on the conversations. But it was just other places that Gilmore was more likely to go in this situation. And that was kind of the way that it always was, by the way. I think we, you know, people threw out the bucks early, you know, because of the Brady connection. And maybe people got their hopes up a little bit. But I tried to set you all on the right path with my column that I wrote this morning and just be like, I I don't know if it's likely. Like, I'm not rolling out anything with Jason White, but I I don't know if it's totally likely. Uh, All Saw fans says Patriots. Only had 54K left on the cap yet. They were able to sign Collins, which likely came from Carolina, taking Gilmore's salary off the books. Yeah, that helped. But, like, man, if you want Jamie Collins bad enough, if you're the Patriots, to, like, part with a guy like Gilmore, I just think that's crazy. Like, Collins is so cooked, and I just don't get why they keep bringing him back. I know he plays better in New England than anywhere else, but it just feels uh, a little bit goofy to me. Um, Let's talk about this from the NFC perspective and get back to the Packers angle to me a little bit, because I don't think that this does anything for the balance of power in the South or in the NFC at all. Whereas going to the Packers, if he had returned to Gilmore, it had the potential to be if he was 2019 Gilmore or going to the Cowboys even because they are very much an improving team. Yes, And I think like I predicted priests before the season, we'll look at them by the end of the year as being like, wow, a lot of people, were too low on them going into the year. I think that it could have really helped those two teams and positions of tremendous need. Like the drop off for the Cowboys after Diggs, and we'll still still even see what what Diggs totally becomes is pretty significant, as we saw <laughs> in Week One. And the drop off for the Packers after Jair Alexander is extremely significant. We'll see what Eric Stokes can be, but to me, that is a big win for the bucks that he didn't end up in either of those locations not because he definitely would have been good but because he could have been a possible solution for them and now not having to worry about that in a potential matchup with those teams obviously we're looking way down the road in the playoffs yeah um, is very advantageous for tampa bay on top of that carolina yeah they have to play them twice a year but you know carolina to me is a team that like you said they're, they're getting better um definitely it might be they're year certainly two improved i think right. that goes without question they're definitely improved from last season to now right i'm not necessarily terrified about facing you know because i don't think they have another guy like both those teams that i mentioned have another guy especially the packers with jair alexander and the panthers you know jc horn hurt we'll see what if he comes back but he's still a rookie um, you know, they've got other young talent there for sure, but nobody else is a shutdown guy. And so, um, you know, teams with one corner don't bother me if I'm, <laughs> if I'm the box, uh, right. maybe down the road, if they resign Gilmore, we'll see. But for this year, I don't think the Gilmore move great trade by Carolina, but all oh, for, I mean, they have all that cap space. Sure. Why not? Absolutely. You know, go for it. Sixth round pick. Are you kidding me? Who cares? Like 
go for it if you're Carolina. I just don't know if it's going to shift anything. Like to me, it's like, all right, once he went to Carolina, it's like, all right, we don't need to talk about him the rest of the year. <laughs> like, you know, other than when we preview the matchup, because I, I don't think it was that big of a deal in my opinion. I just look at more of the, the NFC as a whole. Cause I agree with you. It's not really going to affect the NFC South really too much. Um, but I think just an overall perspective of, of the NFC going into this season, I think most of us were just like, okay, it's clearly the Bucks. It's the Packers. If Rogers actually cares about playing in, in green Bay. And it was the Rams with the asterisk of let's see how it looks with Matt Stafford. But now all those three teams are clearly still in it, but you have to factor in the Cowboys now. And we're forgetting too the the Cardinals are the only undefeated team remaining in the NFC. So I'm, I'm look, I'm thinking long-term too. Obviously the Bucks want to win the division, um, I could see Carolina maybe sliding into one of the last wild card spots because again, like that, that NFC West is really good. Um, the Niners once again have fallen into the same issues that they get into every single season, which is the injuries. And they don't know what's, I mean, Jimmy G doesn't look like he's going to play yeah. and how much do you really trust a rookie quarterback? But, um, the road to the top, the road to getting back to the Super Bowl again, um, is not as easy as I think it all once was. So it's great that it didn't go to the you know the Packers, the Cowboys, as you just mm -hmm. said. But I still don't think it makes it any that much easier or better for the Bucks um, looking way down the road and in, into January and February. I agree with you. I yeah. I'm still curious about the Cardinals, though, because I know they're undefeated right now. They beat the Rams and on the road as well, too. Jumping so to the top, everybody's power ranking. Ma major right props now. for them, too. Yeah. They just strike me as a team, though. Like, last year, they started out great as well, mm -hmm. and then they really just had a significant drop-off. Yeah. So I think if a couple of defenses that really figure out their scheme, and obviously... They've uh, been the Raiders of kind of the NFC. Yeah, it's but, yeah. Um, a bit of a you know crazier scheme, obviously, that we've seen. And Kyler Murray's so dynamic, but uh, if he gets hit a little too much, that could really change you know, in the drop of a hat really quickly. So um, Cardinals, I mean, credit to them. They're undefeated. But yes, um, to, to me, like, Matt. Four, four weeks from now could be a very different story with them. Yeah, true. But right now, the NFC as a whole looks much harder for the Bucs than I expected yeah. it to look, like to get through. And I expected the Cowboys to be good. I was one of the few people out there, I feel like, who was like, yeah, no, I think the Cowboys will win the NFC. He's like going away, you know? And, and so that was one thing I look like I'll be right about. I also said the Cardinals weren't a playoff team, and that looks wrong at the very least right now. We'll see if – will they end up winning that division? I don't know. There's lots of layers to this still that we got to work through this season. That's a really good division. But – I thought Arizona was heading more for, you know, blow up the blow up the front office Kingsbury gotcha. direction. Yeah. And now it feels like Vance Joseph and Kingsbury are kind of saving it a little bit. I've, I've never been anti Kingsbury. I should say, I just thought if Kime went, who I'm very anti Kime, he, you know, if he went, then Kingsbury would go too. And so I think the Cardinals are, I'm still waiting to figure it out, but the defensive improvements are off the charts. I mean, I don't know if Vance Joseph will ever be head coach again, but, what he's done with defenses in two spots now has been pretty amazing, especially because I think the Cardinals have weaknesses in some key spots in terms of talent, and he's just worked around it wonderfully, developed players really, really well. And so um, they are dangerous, no question about it. Kyler can have a bad process and 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 get a good result on a play because he has legs. He can just create. And so, um, yeah, they're very dangerous. Seattle will always be dangerous as long as Russell's there. 
Um, it, the Rams are looking, in my opinion, I know they lost to the Cardinals, but even better the, earlier than I thought they would. Yeah. I, I don't know if San Francisco is a factor just because of the quarterback situation. I don't know that Seattle's a factor either because their defense is so bad. But yeah, you mentioned the Packers with Rodgers. They're definitely, I mean, they're going to be tough for anybody. Dallas, the way they're playing right now, both sides of the ball, but especially offense, they're a factor for sure. I, you know, I don't know if anybody else in the South uh, or the or the East or the North is, you know, to me, there, there's all the wild cards might come from the NFC. Yes, West. it might be possible? the West. And that's mathematically, it. I'm not sure, but uh, it really looks like those are the next, you know, three best teams after the, the division leaders. Um, so we'll see. But NFC definitely, yeah, much tougher than I thought uh, maybe coming in um, into this. Um, and Hans wants to remind me about other things I've been wrong about. You and me were also big wrong about JTS, John. I hated the pick, thought he was way overdrafted based on his college film, and now he looks like the clear-cut defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't hating on the pick when it happened, but I definitely had a lower grade on him than the Bucks did, as I said. And all I say is I'll say the same thing I say to Trevor Sickham when we talk. I hope I never have to grade another opt-out year guy again, especially <laughs> one that totally transforms themselves like uh, JP or like uh, Joe Tron drink and it, uh, what a unbelievable turnaround for him because yeah he definitely he was like kind of the opposite in college I i'm like. gonna right after this show ends i'm putting a prop bet on on jts to win rookie of the year that's a good call you know why matt because he's about to face one of the worst left tackles in the league this week and it's not gonna get a whole lot tougher for him as but this is obviously probably you know we'll see if he gets to start but i'm assuming if jpp doesn't play which i would rest him right save him um, for the thursday game we spoke right. about this the other day yes. save him for the eagles also played a backup left tackle in their last game we'll see if that holds up for thursday night i don't know whether jordan mileta will be back or not but yeah all arrows are pointing up for joe trying the real question to me is whether he'll get enough reps if he gets enough reps then yeah i think he could but if he's just like a 20 snap a game player then it's going to be really yeah really difficult i think for that to happen um Hey, Matt, I don't know if I've told you about this or not, but uh, Underdog Fantasy, uh, they've got these unbelievable games going on right now, including these pick them games that you can check out. On Underdog, you can select over or under on players' stat lines. Get a pick two correct, and you can triple your money. Get a pick five correct, and you win 20 times the amount of money you enter with. It's simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download their app, sign up with the code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and build a pick them slip in seconds. They're going to give you a free $10 when you sign up and make your first deposit. So download the Underdog Fantasy app, sign up with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Get your free $10 today. You can put that down. Boom. You can also enter. They have these awesome, they have an, uh, a best ball, an in-season best ball league going on yep. that's tremendous as well. You can check out. And those entries are $10. You get into those things for free with chances to win a ton of money. And it doesn't cost you anything. It's just simple. You put in that promo code Pewter. Boom, you're signed up, you're in, and you've got a chance to win a lot of money without spending any of your own. I don't know who wouldn't take that. Plus, it helps your boys out at Peter Report when you do that as well. So definitely check out underdogfantasy.com. Plus, it's just fun. The layout of the site is great. Yes, that's what I was going to say. The layout is great. You can get to everything so quickly. You don't even really have to think twice about it. It, It's all on display for you right there. Yeah, Uh, I love picking the head-to-head matchups. It's the game within the game, which I think makes it so much more fun. Than even just you know your your typical lineup that that goes on, and you can get the best of both worlds with that too, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So definitely check out Underdog Fantasy; it's a great, great website. Yeah, and I am sorry, Greg, that it is only in the United States. Uh, the, the I'm sure I know they want to be more than that. There's rules and regulations and all kinds of stuff they got to kind of 
adhere to with all that. So Han says you can't put JTS on the bench when JPP comes back, not with the way he's been playing. I kind of agree, but I don't know how you handle it. It's tough. What are you going to do? What if he has another two sack game this week? Let's just say hypothetical. We talked enough about hypothetical. To me, that won't phase the Bucks. I don't think. If JPP plays, let's just say Thursday, it's like, all right, well, JPP is the man. Yeah, I think if if JTS could have a three sack game and they'd still start JPP, he's ready on Thursday. Like I, I mean, I get it. Like JPP is not a slouch. Like he's a good all around player. You you know where the bar's at, and you feel still feel like they they probably still feel like they can use Joe Tronchenko a lot. But it's hard. It's, it's difficult. You got to figure out ways to get them on the field more um, without sacrificing yourself in other areas. It's like on offense when you have to teams will manufacture touches for their skill players just to make sure they get the ball in his hands. They The Bucks almost have to do that on the defensive side of the ball with just yeah. making sure JTS is, is on the field. Right. And I think Jack Barrett's played a lot better than people are. The Rams game. Yeah, he didn't. It was Rob Avenstein beat him. Yeah, no question. But. He was good in week one, and he was pretty good in week two, and he was good the other day. He was great. He was great. He you know, had a forced fumble. It's a way better start to the season than Shaq Barrett had last year. Like, yeah, way better. He's 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 gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. He's not a he's not a dominant athlete, so he is not gonna win quick every rep. Like he has to win with technique and timing and patience and consistency and like those kind of things. And he's got that power element that he's unlocking now and. You know, he's he's not going to be a Vaughn Miller. Like, you have to lower your expectations if you're expecting him to be, you know, one of those guys that could win every single snap. Like, he's not built like that. So he, he's a good, not great player. That's what he is, and and he'll that'll be a real asset for them eventually this season, I think. Um, so let, let, we've unpacked the cornerback situation with Gilmore, but now we've, let's look at the Bucks' actual cornerback situation, Matt, moving forward. It's going to be an adventure. Today, Bruce Arians said he would not expect Carlton Davis or Sean Murphy bunting back anytime soon. Frustratingly, we did not get more of an injury update on Carlton Davis. I'm sure someone in the national media will eventually get that information and report it, and we won't be bitter at all. <laughs> but I think that that might be the way this well, thing goes. Well, he was asked, and he made a face. He like It's a quad injury. The, an- the answer was just it's a quad injury, but it was the, um, the physical movement. He made this face. He was like, couldn't believe you're asking. Like, is that what it was like? You couldn't believe you were at, that you were asking. Well, I don't injury? know. He was just like, it's nothing more than a quad injury, and that he pulled a muscle. There was, but he's not going to be back anytime soon. I mean, like a, a pulled muscle in your quad, you're uh, not going to say that about. You know what I mean? Like a partially torn quad, quad <laughs> right? Like a partially torn quad. Okay, maybe that's what you're saying. You know, you won't. That's what Stephon Gilmore had. He had it in like week 15, and he ended up getting off-season surgery on it. If yeah. Davis needs surgery, then yeah, that's probably like close to the end of the season. I mean, look at Gilmore. Like that was could it be I mean, a beat of the situation? He it comes could back be, yeah. to the NFC championship maybe. game, you know. It maybe it depends on the surgery, how the extent of the if they need if he needs surgery. Here's the thing though, Carlton Davis himself tweeted that I that he is he won't be out as long as we think, and he is ready to get back. He's excited to get back in pursuit of number two, which I would assume that he believes that number two could happen this year. So he's talking about this season. So there's at least some belief there that he'd be back this year when we don't know. But I think that it's the most significant loss the Bucs could have defensively. I'm ready to say that. Offensively, obviously, Tom Brady. But, you know, it would be up there, you know, on either side, on the whole team. Just because, A, the other injuries at cornerback – but B, Carlton Davis is just playing great through four weeks. He is. He's just playing awesome football. Like, there's no way around it. Um, and yeah, he's motivated in that contract year, which, I mean, he's always motivated. But I think that 
that never hurts. You know, you find a little sure. something extra and he's just playing great football and he's one of the most important positions on the field. You could argue maybe second most important after quarterback. Um, and for this defense, it just really matters the way that they're banged up right now. And, and the fact that he's right. so much head and shoulders better than every other corner on the roster, I think. That's what I was going to say, too. It's very hard in this league to find a shutdown or I don't know if Carlton's really good. So I'll just say uh, an up an upscale number one corner. It's very hard to find that for your team in this league. And I also think it's also a matter of we've seen other key guys on defense get hurt. And we've seen the replacements fill in and do a formidable job to where the Bucks were able to survive in advance. Mm-hmm. Again, Vita Vea, he was out for a long time last season. Bucks still led the the league in uh you know d- d- rush yards allowed per game. Devin White missed uh missed some time. Kevin Minter went in was good to go. We're seeing it right now with JPP. As much as they'd love to have him out there, JTS comes in has a two sack mm-hmm. game. We haven't really experienced something with Carlton Davis, the clear number one corner on this team. True. missing a lot of time and how that will impact the defense more than any of the other players that I just mentioned. So that's the big question going into, I was going to say next game, but I guess for the rest of the season, depending on how long he's out for. So I agree with you in, in that sense of uh, this is our, probably the worst loss that um, the defense could really suffer with, with Carlton out. Yeah, I agree. It makes it challenging on everybody else. I think. Having said that, hats off to the front office for getting Richard Sherman, not because Richard Sherman's going to be Richard Sherman of old or not because Richard Sherman's going to be elite or anything like that. But your options were Richard Sherman or like D Delaney. And like, I just think that getting Richard Sherman is smart money. You never know how it's going to work out. Maybe it's horrible. Maybe he just has nothing left in the tank. And, you know, okay, you you flopped on one, but the process is good, in my opinion. You can get a guy of that caliber. For, for nothing, basically, in terms of cost, you just do it. And you have to pull the trigger on it and do it. And they haven't just gone that route. They brought in Pierre Desir, who, again, as I said, it's a good process. They found guys who are solid players, solid people, smart players, very smart and very hardworking, both of them extremely smart and hardworking. Um, Desir, is, Desir was in with the Jets for, like, what, eight weeks, six weeks, eight weeks? <laughs> yeah, and he won Walter not... Payton Man of the Year nomination from the Jets locker yep. room. It wasn't even like, on the team when he uh, yeah. got nominated. So. You're just talking about guys that everybody's going to want to rally around and they're going to learn and they're going to be sponges. Again, it's a good process. Doesn't mean it'll be a good result. It's a good process. We'll see. So hats off to them for doing that. I'm very just kind of interested to see how it all comes together. Uh, it's not crazy to me to say like this year could be more reliable than Jamel Dean, uh, you know, um, not as talented as Jamel Dean. I, I think Jamel Dean's still going to start, but this week, if Jamel Dean's back, you're probably looking at Dean on the right side and, and, and Richard Sherman on the left side and base and your Ross Cockrell comes in in the nickel and nobody's sliding like with Sean Murphy Bunting where he'd slide from outside inside, but you're probably getting uh, Ross Cockrell in the nickel and Pierre Desir's your first backup outside on the right side. And, Delaney or Richard Robinson is the is the fifth guy, and maybe all six are active. I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see. But that's probably your group. <laughs> and so that's it. Um, there's not much just, else they can do. There's there's not yeah. a lot of big name guys out there. The one big name guy that was got traded. There, there's only so much you can do. You there know, yes. you can't. You can prepare for injuries as much as you can, and that's why you build right. depth to begin the season. But after a while, you just got to put your hands up and say, you know, we we did our best with the players that we have. 
Yeah. I mean, if you lose three corners to injury, you lose three, you know, it's hard. Yeah. And, and Winfield's out as well. And obviously Edwards will replace him and the Bucs probably know what they're getting there. Some good news though. I, I mean, I shouldn't say good news. That's not fair, but Will Fuller is not going to play in this game for Miami. And so uh, because of an IR. injury, if, yeah, is on injury reserve with a broken finger or something like that, I think. And so that's a deep threat off the board for Miami. They traded Jakeem Grant, another one of their offensive weapons. You know, Devontae Parker's still there playing well. Jalen Waddle, obviously another deep threat hasn't really been used that way. I think he had, I think he had like 12 catches for 58 yards in a game this year, Matt. Jalen Waddle, like what are you doing on offense that Jalen Waddle could possibly get 12 touches and only have 58 yards? One of the most athletic humans in the world. Right. Come on. Like I still think crazy. about that national championship game where he was like clearly not 100%. I think he was coming off a broken leg or whatever. Yeah. And um he made some receptions, but I was like, oh my God, like I feel like his leg is about to fall off. Like, how is he, like, why is yeah. he still playing in this game? They were up by like right. 50. Well, I remember the game you're talking about. Yes, I remember yeah. that. But I say all that. Uh, the Bucs, I think they could start three D Delaney's in this game. And it's not disrespectful to Delaney. Three unknowns at corner is what I mean in this game. And I would still pick them to win by double digits because I think there's just that much of an event. Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback, has been. Just not good for Miami. Yeah. The offensive line is in shambles. Four of the six top six snap getters for their offensive line this season are what? What I tell you, 47 grade or below on pro football focus. And even if you don't take that as gospel, you don't have to watch much Dolphins tape to see that those grades are pretty yeah. spot on. There are a lot of their draft picks have not played well, have not worked out. Austin Jackson at left tackle, who remember would have been kind of the next guy after Werfs for a lot of people at, at tackle who I was like, please don't draft Bucs at 14. I was like writing, I wrote like four articles that draft season. Um, and he has been just horrible for Miami. Um, he's the guy, by the way, they got in the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. They got that 19th pick and they used it on him. And he's been terrible. They were actually talking about benching him this week. I hope they don't. I hope they let it go one more week so JTS can get a couple sacks. But yeah. he's been really bad. Brissett has a tendency to hold the ball behind a bad offensive line. That's tough. They run the ball okay, but come on. Like, but, you know, I yeah. don't think Miles Gaskin's ne- negative take one. The- negative yeah. one. <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. like, dude, if they don't dominate this game, it's an afternoon game. It's in Tampa Bay. Like, that's when they've played their best games since Brady and Arians and all. You know, it just feels like it's set up for coming off a disappointing one. I I think they're going to – I think they're going to crush them. But um, all that – you know, kind of culminates in the cornerback group, right? They have these matchups this week. There are going to be some challenges, but it's a good couple games, in my opinion, for them to be able to get their feet underneath them, to get going a little bit as a group. Um, the Eagles have some talent, some speed for sure. sure. That'll test them. But it's not the Rams and the Cowboys. Like, those are two of the best quarterback receiver rooms in the league. Like, there's just no doubt about it. Um, even the Falcons, you know, even though they're not throwing the ball on the field, like, Ridley, Gage, Pitts. I mean, those are that's a dom- dominant trio. I think right we have there. to remember that the Bucks played some of the most talented, oh my. you know, Absolutely. quarterback and receiving groups to to start out the season. So you can almost like take a well exhale like you did when Nick Folk hit the the post on the on the fifty six yard field goal. You can you can exhale with that again when you know you're facing Miami that obviously ha- has struggled a lot and Chicago. Uh, well, the Eagles and then Chicago and yeah, um, clearly not not as talented. And um, we have to remember, too, Richard Sherman is going to get a lot better. 
too. At least I think he's going to get a lot better. He hasn't even today mm-hmm. marks one week that he's been with the today right. states one week that he's been with the team. And yeah. he had to start last week. It wasn't horrible by any means. He got picked on and everything like that. But it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a um it, like it, there's going to be improvements for sure. Right. For sure. I agree with you. And so I'm not panicking about the Bucks cornerback situation. Uh and I'm definitely not panicking about uh, my finances, Matt, because I know just oh, yeah. like everybody in the chat should know that if you're looking for places to invest your money and, and your finances, there's no better place to do it than a Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy for you. Thank you, thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Amuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services with Amuni Amuni Financial. You can see on the graph there some of the things that they offer if you're interested in that and if that's something you think they could help you. But with 40 years of experience, let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immunity Financial at 800-868-6864 or visit immunity.com. Scott always highly recommends the work that they do at Immunity Financial as he's an investor there. And so take his word for it. Really good stuff from them. All right, Matt, um, we've talked about this cornerback situation enough. The safety situation, I think we know Mike Edwards well enough to know and feel confident kind of about what he's bringing to the table. And so I'm excited to see him get more opportunity. Also excited to see more snaps of Jordan White, who I feel like has been one of their best players. Even though we talk about Miami and all the weaknesses and all they're talking about, who are we going to play at quarterback? Who are we going to bench our first round pick left tackle? Are we going to change play callers? Those are the questions that Miami's fielding this week. We're talking, you know, we're talking about who's going to be, you know, the starting right cornerback basically for this team right now. And so I still think that the reality is you're playing a team and you have four of five, you know, you four of your five starters in the secondary, basically. I guess you could say if Dean comes back that technically he's a starter. And so, you know, maybe you consider that, but Dean and Whitehead are probably your only full-time starters and they haven't had their top five together in a game this season. And it's just revolving doors in a position group that requires a ton of communication and it will present challenges. Luckily, like we said, they're not playing, you know, the three best teams in the Mm -hmm. NFC or anything uh, coming up, but it presents its challenges that they've got to get sorted out. And I think it'll be one of the most watched coordinators in the league will be Todd Bowles, highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL, potential head coaching candidate. How is he going to use this group? Is he going to play more man coverage, try to simplify things for people? Um, There's still plenty of communication involved. He's still going to play a good percentage of zone. I mean, it's Bowles. He's going to. So yeah, just how does he work with this group? It's going to tell a lot, I think, about about Bowles and how how much he's able to coach up guys that have barely played together and especially because Carlton Davis and Antoine Winfield are like the top two communicators. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's huge for Whitehead too, right? He's going to be a contract year, and now he's the leader. And you look at that Rams game, the deep ball to Deshaun Jackson, the, the touchdown that he scored, a big part of that was the miscommunication on the play, yeah. and Mike Edwards was involved in that. And as effective as Mike Edwards is, and I like him as a player, we obviously all know how good he is at creating turnovers. 
Um, even in that game with the two pick sixes against the Falcons, I think he played what 54% of the snaps. So he's still going to be in an elevated role where he's going to have to play. I would imagine at least 90% of the snaps. So that's even more of an upgrade for him that we haven't really seen him do too much in his career. So that's something to at least keep in mind going into this game. I mean, it doesn't matter who your opponent is. It's the NFL. Everyone's paid to go out and play games and uh, attempt to win. So I, again, it's a, it's another type of situation where the Bucs just can't expect to go in and just dominate. Cause again, that week two game against the Falcons, Atlanta cut that to a three point game in the third quarter when it was well thought that the Bucs were going to run away with it, with the way that they played in the first half of that game. Uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I really like Mike Edwards and I think that he, you know, could really have a great game, but mm. Playing in a starter's role is not something that he's done a ton. He's been, yeah. you know, put placed in, in certain situations and excelled with them. He's he's passed those tests, but this is another one for him. Right, for sure. There's a lot to look forward to with this group. I am very curious to see how it all comes together. I'm honestly kind of curious to see what Pierre Desir looks like. I thought it was cool. Oh he got targeted. He got he got targeted. Uh, I think three times in that game against the Patriots. And he kind of, the first one he was, okay, it was a stop route coming back to the quarterback. All right. Like, uh, you know, he just makes a tackle. Second one, he's tight. He gets there right as the ball arrives and it's like a catch, but it's a contested catch. Third one, he jumps. So like he's ready for yeah. it. He's looking for it. He's ready for it. He's probably, he jumps the route. He kind of was caught between tackling the guy. I think it's, you know, product of not playing or being in football mode, really. Remember, he wasn't in camp. So, you know, this is a guy that, or he was in camp, <laughs> yeah. I guess, but like this is a guy who hasn't done much either. Came and in so, after the season started. Right, right. After the season started. And so now he was kind of caught between tackling and trying to go for the interception. And, you know, do I want to be, go for the hero moment or miss this? And then this guy runs for a touchdown, you know, and he kind of like didn't do either, but he could have picked <laughs> sixth it. And I like the process behind it. I you know, just intrigued. I'm I'm curious to see how he does. I I've long watched him and I thought in zone heavy teams when he was in Indianapolis, you know, he did some of his best work. And so he's not going to mirror and match on an island anymore. Neither is Richard Sherman. You know, I, I think Bulls might be a little bit limited in how much man he can play. We'll see how he navigates it. It's gonna be fascinating, fun stuff to watch. We're coming back on the podcast tomorrow, Matt, 4 p.m. Eastern. We break down this matchup between the Bucks and the Dolphins in depth. I know no one's even thinking about the Dolphins. It feels like this. No week. one. We talked about like, the Patriots for days, and now we're talking about Stephon Gilmore. And now it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, they play on Sunday, like against another team, like a real team, kind of. And so I, we're going to talk about this matchup in depth. There are a couple things about the Dolphins to be aware of, you know. And obviously, as the team, you don't take anybody lately. But for us in the media, it's our job to tell you, hey, it's going to be close. Bill Belichick's not going to get smoked by anybody. Which, if you remember, I told you. It's also our job to tell you, I don't really see how this one's close. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you this week. I'll always keep it 100 with you. And so we'll break all that down tomorrow, go in-depth on the matchup with those, uh, with the details and the stats and the match player matchups like we always do. Um, always a lot of fun information and kind of trying to out-nugget each other for those ones uh, with it, what we can <laughs> dig up. So that'll be a fun show. And then Sunday, we're very excited. I'm thrilled about Sunday's show. We, we actually, we've got two game day shows in like a four-day span. Because the Dolphins show is going to yep. be 1 p.m., so we're going to have the pregame going uh, before the Dolphins game. We'll release times and information, all that stuff, uh, to you here soon. But we'll have the pregame show going for the Dolphins game, and then the live in-game stream is going to be going from the for the duration of that one o'clock game against the Dolphins. So you can 
watch that game with us basically as Paul Atwell and I kind of break down the X's and O's, the schematic things, the player performances, all of that while the game's happening. We had a ton of fun on Sunday night with the with the Bucks Patriots game. Um, and so Paul and I will do that with you. And then I'm pumped to announce for the first time, I think that we've announced it, uh, Trevor Sikama is coming back to join me for the Thursday Trevor! night game against the Eagles. Yes, Trevor and I Let's will go. be on the live in-game stream for Thursday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. He is geeked about it. He can't wait uh, to get in there. We're going to be with you throughout the entire game, breaking everything down, talking about the matchup as it's happening, not doing, giving you play-by-play. And it's going to be probably the most humorous broadcast we've done this year. You know, we'll, we'll let loose a little bit as Trevor and I always do, but it's going to be a lot of fun on Thursday night. He's looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to having him uh, back on the show for sure. So oh, that's um, exciting. I didn't yeah. even know that. I'm pumped. Yeah, right. Greg says, Lenny or Trevor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Lenny segment again. Actually, I'm going to try to do Lenny tomorrow on the show because there was a lot of good things, and I want to make sure we're being fair and pointing out good things for Leonard Fournette as well. Uh, right now but also i have a ronald segment oh yeah that's coming tomorrow so make sure you watch tomorrow's show uh for the ronald segment it's gonna be it's a doozy paul paul atwell already sent it to me it's a classic ronald segment i can't wait for it uh, on tomorrow's show so it's gonna be fun we appreciate y'all jumping in here another great show always thanks to y'all you guys have elevated the numbers on youtube keep subscribing keep sharing with people you guys are the best way that we get out there to people subscribe to peter report tv on youtube tell other people to subscribe keep coming in here and giving us this kind of attention. We'll keep doing more. Scott and I talking today, what more can we do? How can we do more for our YouTube viewers? You know, and that's going to be coming at some point as well too, when we get all the equipment we need to be able to do more. So we appreciate y'all jumping in here and always supporting us. And we're excited to be back tomorrow on the show to preview Bucks Dolphins in depth. It's going to be fun, Matt. uh, Do you have any final words for people that you would like to say before maybe you do your sign off? Um, Just, Peace and love. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you kind of cut up there, so I, don't, I don't know what you totally said. Well, I just but. said, do you have any final words for people before you do your your two-sentence sign-off? Um, no, not really. I'm actually curious what the spread is. I haven't checked the lines yet, but yes. I would imagine this game, it has to be – I'm going to guess right now. I haven't checked yet. I'm, I'm not looking guess, on my bookie. I'm just looking on my phone. I'm going to guess it's off. definitely at least double digits. Uh, I think it's going to be 14. Minus it's 14. It's 10? Oh, okay. wow. Really? It's 10 right now, yeah. Will it move that much? I don't know anything about that. Probably so. not that much. Okay. But I know there's... I was say that. Uh, who was it last week? Someone was a... F- oh, it was the Bills-Texans. The Bills are like a 15-point favorite. So yeah. I thought right. it could have gone towards that way. But all right, that makes sense. All right, well, sounds good. For Matt Matera, I'm John Ledger. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out! Would have been nice to do some more happy Gilmore references and Gilmore girls references if Stefan Gilmore came to the Bucks, but it'll be better for Tampa Bay in the end. Out. <laughs>